The idea that I, by myself, can identify an area where I need to shift the behavior and use a series of questions to ask myself that help me start to shift my thinking about a topic and start to experiment with trying new ways of behaving, right? It is a repetitive, repeatable process. And and oh, by the way, the lovely bonus of all of this is that all of it is getting more in touch with myself at a deeper level. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome. I am really glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. While you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors, please. Number one, please subscribe to the show. Two, please share the show with just one other person. And three, go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have Mike Norman with me. I'm very privileged to have Mike with me because he was once my coach. Welcome to the show, Mike. Who are you and what do you do? Well, thanks for having me, Eric. I really appreciate it. And yeah, as you just alluded to, one of the hats I wear is a leadership coach. I work with leaders, many of them in the high tech sector across various functions from new managers to vice presidents. And I also consider myself a leadership trainer. So I have a background in learning and development and about 10 years ago went out on my own and uh, yeah, teach managers and leaders about how to be good managers and leaders and actually wrote a book on an idea I have about self-coaching called Coach Yourself Up. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and I'm, I'm really grateful to be on your show. So thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Well, Because this is a management development show, I have a whole list of questions about management development, and we'll follow the conversation where it goes. Mm -hmm. My first question for you, Mike, is what is your philosophy of management development? And you're welcome to segue into leadership development, if you like, with that one. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really interesting point, Eric, this idea of what's the difference between management development and leadership development. And that could be maybe a topic for a whole other uh, interview someday or series so when I when I think about management development, I I often go to thinking about newer managers who are stepping into management role for the first time. And my philosophy, so let me just clarify, I had mentioned I have a background in learning and development. I actually spent the latter 10 years of my career running learning and development functions and so have actually been in charge of management development at a couple of places. And one of the philosophies I have around management development is the importance of the manager learning more about themselves and how to work with and on themselves before they are going to be really good at working with others, if you will, or or managing others. So managing self as a, as a key stepping stone to managing others is, is one piece of my philosophy. And I think another that I used to always say, and I actually, I still do is, you know, the 80, 20 rule, right? 80% of situations can be covered by 20% of in this instance skills. I like to double down on coaching and feedback 
right? My perspective is that if a manager can gain competence and confidence and comfort in providing feedback and ongoing coaching to their employees, like that takes care of so much of the power relationship, if you will, of, of the manager and, and employee. And, and one other aspect of, of, from a philosophy perspective, I would say is I'm, I'm, I'm really big on the idea of having managers think about how do they want to show up as a manager, as a leader. And, and so really putting some intentionality behind that and then assessing where do they think they are vis-a-vis what they want to be, right? And, and again, those areas that I am already good at, I can leverage those strengths, those areas where I may be showing up not quite the way I want to, that's an opportunity for you know closing the gap. So those are some of my philosophies around management development. You know, you, you remind me of Zenger and Folkman's Extraordinary Leader with that the whole idea of the circus tent and how you just want as much air under the tent as possible. You don't have to have all the poles all the way up, but just make sure that one corner isn't on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I've, always, I've always remembered that analogy. That's a cool one. I don't think I've heard that before. So yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and something that, that I was thinking of as you were as you were mentioning how important coaching is, is so often I've run into managers who thought they were coaching, but instead they were scolding or berating or doing something else under the guise of coaching. Let me give you some coaching. And then out would come something that was not coaching. So I I completely agree with you that folks need to learn what it means to coach and how to ask good coach-like questions that moves a person toward discovering for themselves what, what the answer is and how to get it done. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Eric. And, you know, it's interesting because for many people, their closest experience with a coach is coming out of the sports world. Mm -hmm. And what a coach does of a sports team is quite different than what a coach does in the business world, mm-hmm. right? Like the coach in on a football team, the offensive line coach is literally saying, move your left foot two inches forward and, you know, stand this way. So they are right in there telling them what to do, if you will, right? And so I think for a lot of people, when they hear coaching, if they're not trained, if they're not given some guidance from, in this case, a company, that says, here's what coaching means in our environment. And to your point, it's asking good questions. It's being an awesome listener, helping people find their own way to things, peppering in some advice and guidance, right? Strategically here and there can, can be fine, but you're right. Defining coaching is, is an area that I think um, can serve companies really well because a lot of people are running around with misinformed ideas of what coaching is. Well, let's let's pull that thread a little bit, and and let's let's keep playing with coaching because I agree it's super important. In the book that I'm writing, I'm going to dedicate at least a chapter uh, to coaching for new managers. Uh, you've written a whole book on the subject, so talk to us more about what coaching is and isn't, and how how does a new manager become a good coach, and and why does that matter? Why can't they just tell people what to do? Right. Well. It's a great question. Here's the thing, right? We, it's, it's common in my experience that when a person becomes a new manager, there is a sense or a belief that I need to have the answers. Mm-hmm. 
I'm supposed to have the answers. And when my employees come to me for help, that is my job to help them. And the way that I help them is give them answers to things, right? And there's times when giving somebody an answer is going to be appropriate. You know, there's an emergency, somebody's doing something for the first time, right? That kind of thing. But from a development perspective, if part of my role, not saying if, part of my role as a manager is developing the people that work for me and helping them become more effective, developing greater capacity, that kind of thing. And there's a lot of science and research that shows that people who are come to their own conclusions and find their own answers right there's a there's a stronger sense of buy in there's a, a you know there's a there's a sense that not being i haven't been told what to do right that i was my manager did give me the latitude to sort of figure out how to do this on my own and i think that part of this also eric is it takes that burden off the manager of feeling like they need to have the answer and it can be liberating, right? It can also be really, really challenging. I've, you know, in my career worked with lots of newer managers and to break the habit of giving advice or giving guidance and instead asking questions because that person can feel like I'm, but I'm not doing my job. If I'm just asking questions, I could help this person. And it's sort of this counterintuitive thing that ultimately becomes more intuitive that, oh, actually, I am helping them, right? It's the old, you know, give a person a fish, feed them for a day, teach a person to fish, feed them for the rest of their life kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure I answered your question directly, but I said a lot of things. And so I'll pause and let you <laughs> sort of figure out where either you redirect me back to a question I didn't answer or we can keep moving down whatever path I'm taking us down. Well, I'm now I'm now stroking my chin thoughtfully and saying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, very interesting, yes. I, I like what you said there. And I, I think what I'd like to do as a follow-up is to say, okay, so we've established why coaching is important, you know, not the least of which is it's liberating for the manager. They don't have to be the font of all knowledge. Have you read the HBR article? It's actually, it's, it's fairly old. It was republished, it was written in the 70s and republished again and again in the 90s, I think. Who's Got the Monkey? Have you read that one? I have. I wouldn't pass a quiz on it, but I, I, the idea is, right, like who, the monkey on the back and in the, in the case that I was just talking about, like the, the manager having that monkey. Right. And, and when I teach that, I always, I always tell my students or my participants, accept no monkeys, you know, like don't take the problem from your employee and take it on yourself. Ask the employee, what are your ideas? How can you handle this? What do you exactly. need from me in order to get it handled? But exactly. it's still yours. Yeah. So good stuff. So it's, it's an HBR article. You can, it's, it's been reprinted. Who's got the monkey? Right. So how does a new manager learn to be a coach? Like what, what does a coach do in the business environment? We know that a, an offensive line coach does a lot of yelling. <laughs> <laughs> yelling and telling. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to need you not to yell at me in the office. Right. But what does a good coach in the business setting do? And how can a new manager learn to do that? Well, I think that for me, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at a post-it on my desk that says, be curious. And I think that is such a huge piece of 
shifting toward, I think, you know, if, if we were, if I was to break down the skills of a coach, right, I think you mentioned earlier, right, asking good questions and we could go into, you know, what is a good question? It's open-ended, it's sort of future-oriented, right? Something that gets somebody thinking and talking to think about new perspectives. Hey, if you put yourself in your manager's shoes, how do you think she sees this situation? And sometimes there can be real revelations when people sort of do that perspective shifting, if you will, or reframing is a phrase. That, that comes up a lot, right? So there's this, there's this ability to ask questions, which again, is not the easiest thing in the world to learn. And yet it's something that with continued practice and repetition that can become, you know, people can get more comfortable with what kind of question what I want to ask now. In fact, you asked a great one earlier, the, the example you gave, if an employee comes to you, new manager, and says, hey, I'm having problems with this. Can you help me? Instead of saying, yes, da-da-da, here's what you should do. It's more like, can you share with me what you've done so far? Can you, you know, what if I wasn't here, what would you do, right? And so just that putting putting it back on them, to see where they're at. And then that, again, will give you some sense of what kind of coaching they may need from mm -hmm. you, uh, depending on how close they are to the answer. And so there's also the, the listening, right? And I guess going all the way back to this notion of being curious, if I'm if I've just come out of a, an effective listening class and I learn like, oh, when Eric says ABC, that I would go, oh, Eric, I hear you say ABC. That's great right? To show that you're actually listening to the person, but, but being curious, like what, what does that mean? Like, oh, I'm, wow, that, that B that you mentioned, that's curious to me. I'm, can you tell me a little bit more about B? And so there's a curiosity to want to know more about the situation, about the person, right? And so, so developing a sense of curiosity, I think is, is really important that will lead to asking of questions and listening to the answers, mm. right? So I, I do think that at the very top of the list of coaching skills would be the asking and listening. And of course, there's going to be others, but you know, we'll use the 80-20 rule here and say, if you can become a great, an asker of great questions and really be a great listener, you're well on your way to being a great coach. Okay, so you've talked about how to coach others and, and given some advice around that. Your book is about self-coaching. So mm -hmm. talk to us about what self-coaching is and how what you just said works there. Yeah, so self-coaching, thank you for asking, because obviously that's something I'm very passionate about. And you know, some of the ideas behind that, Eric, you know, as I mentioned, I, I'm a certified trained coach and my experience having been a coachee working with coaches is it's of great value to me. And I see my clients getting great value out of our work together. And yet I know that the reality is that many of us, right? And if you were to go global and go 8 billion people, right? I don't know, 90%, like how many people will probably not have the luxury of having an, an external coach that they can work with and, and this idea came to me that, wow, a lot of these skills that we apply as coaches, primarily asking good questions and, and being a good listener, that I could actually use with myself. And so 
this notion that that I can bring some of the goodness to more people, some of the goodness of coaching to more people through this vehicle of self-coaching. And the way that I've set up my model, Eric, is that it's it's very tangible and very specific. I I'm, I haven't we haven't said this yet. I have an engineering background, right? So I'm I'm very big on process and methodology, and and so I've created what I think is a really simple framework for people to follow that is really about driving their own behavior change. And so you know how many times we as employees or managers, you know, and you get feedback like, oh, I need you to do more of X. I need you to speak up more in meetings. Like, you know, the perception is that maybe you're not as engaged. I know you're engaged, but we need you to be, you know, speaking up more in meetings. That's one example of what I call a self-limiting behavior. And, and the idea is that for each person, I might have 10 different people that are not speaking up in meetings. Well, the, what lies underneath what I call the self-limiting belief or the story is going to be potentially different for each person. And so I may not be speaking up in meetings because I'm afraid of being judged by the people in the in the room, right? And somebody else may not be speaking up in a meeting because, you know, they grew up in an environment where, you know, if you spoke up, you know, maybe this was even in a family, if you speak up, you get yelled at, whatever, right? And so we as human beings tend to have a lot of stories that drive our behavior and, and what coaches can do, and it's getting a little deeper, Coaches tend to not just help with surface level fixes. Coaches tend to help people tap into sort of deeper patterns and make sustainable shifts to outer behavior through shifting a belief or a story or, you know, it's a, it's a mindset game. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm not sure that was the best description I've given of self-coaching, but the idea that I by myself can identify an area where I need to shift a behavior and use a series of questions to ask myself that help me start to shift my thinking about a topic and start to experiment with trying new ways of behaving, right? It is a repetitive, repeatable process. And, and oh, by the way, the lovely bonus of all of this is that all of it is getting more in touch with myself at a deeper mm -hmm. level and mm -hmm. learning more about how I, Mike Norman, operate in the world. And might there be some pieces of my operating system that I, that frankly are outdated and it's time to, to reboot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wonderful. That's really interesting. Thank you. Well, I've alluded to the fact, you've alluded to the fact that you have a book. So tell us, tell us about the book and tell us about anything else that you'd like to plug at this point in the show. Yeah, I can keep this quick. So yes, as, as I mentioned, the book is called Coach Yourself Up for Words. It is available, right? Local booksellers, Amazon. And I have also, so the book actually came out of a classroom training program that I created. And after we created, wrote, after we, after I wrote the book, I partnered with an e-learning company and have created an e-learning program of the same name. And, and that is in sort of various levels of iteration. But the easiest way for people to find out more about that is to go to my website, which is coachyourselfup.com. 
and you find information about me on there and there's ways to reach out to me on there. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Mike Norman. That's like Norman, the golfer, Greg Norman, but with a T at the end. So Mike Norman, and I believe there might be two of us, but the other one is 20 or 30 years younger. So it should be pretty easy to find me. It's not like Pete Smith and no offense to the Pete Smiths out there, but sometimes you get on LinkedIn and there's a thousand people with that name and it's hard to find. Not so, not so with Mike Norman. Perfect. Good, good. Thank you. Well, let's, let's transition to the speed round, if you don't mind. Absolutely. I'm let's, ready. Let's learn a little bit more about Mike Norman with a T. Number one, if you could interview anybody, if you were sitting in this seat and you could interview anybody, who would it be and why? Well, I'm going to cheat on this one a little bit, Eric. And if I could interview anybody, I'm going to go with, I would interview all of my great grandparents mm-hmm. and grandparents. And and I say that because actually my, my partner, Ellen, has just come across a trove of letters that her grandfather wrote to her grandmother from Europe in World War One. And it's just absolutely fascinating. And so there's this whole new sort of curiosity on my part around, wow, I wonder, I would love to talk to my great grandparents about their life experience. And then my grandparents about their life experience and just learn a little bit more about my lineage. Right. So that that's uh, who I would interview. Oh, that's cool. What is your favorite vacation spot and why? Well, I am an absolute lover of nature. And this is a spot that I found in the last 10 years and have been back uh, a second time and would go back again is Zion National Mm. Park in Utah. And just the scenery there, the the yeah, there's just so many different i don't even know how to describe it it's and and, you know one of the things i love about that national park eric i'm not sure if you've been there but they actually don't let visitor cars Mm. into the park and so you know i don't know if you've been to yosemite or any of these places where and again I, i love yosemite but it's a bit crazy in there with so many cars and so at zion yeah everyone parks the front and they have buses that go through and drop people off at different trailheads and what have you. And so it's just that much more sort of pristine, Mm. just a very beautiful place. So Zion is high on my list. Yeah. My family's been to Zion. I, I forget I was, what I was doing, probably working, but uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) it's, it's a theme. I do this. Sending you pictures. Hey dad, it's really great here. Well, they were in Puerto Vallarta the last two weeks, and that's what was happening. Dad, look at the look at the whales. Dad, wow. look at look at what we're eating. It's okay. I'll go next year. There you go. Now, where would you most like to travel aside from Zion? Well, sort of sticking with the nature theme, I would. I'm I'm really interested in going on. I don't know if going on a safari is the right way to say it, but going to Africa and seeing you know, these wildlife reserves and, and seeing elephants and giraffes and hippopotamus, you know, lions, like seeing things that you just don't really get to see here. And, and especially, um, you know, sure we can go to a zoo, but I would, I would like to see sort of nature in its full force in, in a place, you know, like that. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. We we watched we've watched all the Planet Earth series with David Attenborough. Oh, yeah, those are good. Amazing. 
Yeah. Have you have you seen the the ones the prehistoric ones that David Attenborough has narrated? I think it's uh-huh. on Apple TV. No. Not here to, not here to plug Apple TV, but it's it's all CGI, but it's it so follows the the David Attenborough earth thing that uh-huh. it just feels real and it's like wait a minute this can't be real they didn't have we weren't filming prehistoric stuff but it it, it it's really i don't know you might want to give one of them a shot and see you might you might enjoy it cool what's it called again uh i don't know prehistoric planet something like okay. that but it's right. on apple tv okay and attenborough is the the host and i believe narrator he could read the ingredients from a bag of chips and i would be enthralled i just yeah i love him yeah. he's great yeah all right, final question for you, sir. What brings you the most joy in your life? My partner, Ellen. So Ellen and I have been together for 10 years now, and it's just for all for you and all your listeners that have found that partner that is the one, it's, it's just amazing what that can do for the quality of one's life. And I, I do find myself when people ask, how are you doing? It's very often I'm doing great because I'm in this amazing relationship and like it just sort of transcends the ups and downs of daily life, right? Mm. So Ellen, as my partner, brings me great joy just knowing that that's there. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm glad. Very cool. Well, thank you, Mike. That was a fantastic conversation. Really enjoyed it. It was completely off script, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. How can people find you again? So coachyourselfup.com mm. is my website. And I'm also one of one or two Mike Normants on LinkedIn. So easy to find me there and happy for people to reach out and connect. And, you know, I'm I'm passionate about this idea of self-coaching and, you know, would be welcome to have conversations with anyone who's looking at that. And in fact, one thing I'm now realizing, Eric, that I didn't say that may touch a chord with some of your audience is this notion of vertical development. Mm -hmm. And so for those of you out there that are big into vertical development, this coach yourself up is right in the wheelhouse of that work. And for those of you out there who are going, what is vertical development? I strongly encourage you to look it up. It's a really cool trending thing that's happening right now in in management and leadership development. So thanks, Eric. Yeah, no worries. (laughs) Vertical development. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. There are a few more Eric Gerards than Mike Normans, but but I'm there. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at GerardTrainingSolutions.com. 